Hey, this is Matt Spiegel, and on my podcast, The PBP, Voices of Baseball, we learn how the best broadcasters in the game, like the Reds' John Sadak, try to capture the greatness of the best players, like Ellie Dela Cruz. He's a video game character. I mean, he is so athletic, and I think each moment is its own living entity, and I try to just match whatever that moment is. The PBP, Voices of Baseball. We bring you the people who bring you the game. Find us on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. On 95.7 The Game. So check this out. Uh, welcome in, y'all. John Lynch was on with the uh, the roast. We'll have some of that in a little bit. Bob Myers is going to be on with Steiny and Goo. Steve Kerr is going to be on with Damon and Ratto. And guess who else? Guess who else is going to be on with Damon and Ratto? The Playmaker. Michael Irvin. My disdain for the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I should lay out here. That way we can record this and play it back for him. All right, let's start over. Three, two, and one. Here's Mark Willard with his disdain. Why do you hate the Cowboys, Mark? My disdain for the Dallas Cowboys started with Michael Irvin. Oh, my God. Okay. Now, Playmaker, this in the end, and I bet he would take it this way, it's a compliment. Don't go soft. No, no, no. I'm not going soft. We want this to go viral. We want them to play this for him. Well, Come hard, Willard. That Spider-Man celebration thing in the end zone that you used to do, combined with all of the different things, the showmanship, the in-your-face that was Michael Irvin as a mid-90s college student that was my age at the height of Emmett and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman that bravado that sort of only blockade to Steve Young and George Seifert's 49ers being the deal that was a seed that was planted in my gut oh it, my god and it grew and it grew and it grew and it didn't finally really calmed down until the 38-28 to 28 victory in the playoffs by the 49ers over the Cowboys that led to Steve Young's championship. Only then did it calm down a little bit. But when that man scored a touchdown and went into his spidey senses... Get him. It made me want to throw up. It made me want to throw a remote at the television set. Michael Irvin made you want to throw up. That's what we need to get to, Mark. Let's let's stop going Sunset Magazine and Home and Garden and talk about planted seeds. Let's bury this guy. He's a cowboy. It's Cowboy Week. Don't sugarcoat it. Michael Irvin makes you sick. He did then, and he does now. When you tune in today at 5 o'clock, you're going to have a barf bag. Because Michael Irvin makes you barf. Makes you barf chunks. Chunky, messy puke all down your face, Michael Irvin. That's what you do to my partner. You make him sick. Yeah, yeah, diarrhea too. He makes you go high-low, out the top and out the bottom. Michael Irvin, you make me sick. I'm Mark Willard. Normally I sound with a deeper voice than that. But you know what, Michael? You go ahead and record this for Damon and Ratto. Michael, when you come on, you make me sick. I'm Mark Willard. What happened Check to you? Isn't that what, what happened to you as a kid? What 
<laughs> you want to know what happened to me? What? What? Gosh, you. You want to know what happened to me, Mark? You, you really, you, you love, you love the, you love the drama. You love the hatred. You love what the controversy. Are you prepared Mark, to do about I lived it? in a house with three older siblings. Mm -hmm. We had a thousand square feet mm -hmm. and three bedrooms. The princess, the queen, the caner, <laughs> Hurricane Gale, she got her own room. I shared a room with an older brother, six years older, and an older brother, four years older. We had a bunk bed. Okay. Doug on the top, Mike on the bottom, me in a trundle bed, which was a drawer. I know what a trundle is. Yes. Many, many mornings. You slept in a drawer. <laughs> I was pushed in, Mark. I had my bed pushed in so i would wake it's up like you were in a mausoleum while you're still alive i was five years old and i'd be dude i'd be trundled back in and i would look out the crack Hold crying on. and screaming Hold and on. my two brothers would be on their bellies <laughs> laughing and pointing that's what happened to me mark everything just changed for me for reasons that you don't even realize like yes Yes. Oh, Michael Irvin, you made me mad. No, he made Spider-Man. Yeah, he made me get him. No, no. Let's no, go. No, I don't want to get him. I did want to get him. He, he made you sick. Oh, he's one of the great stories of how somebody sort of like it was almost Richard Sherman esque. Like Richard Sherman when he said Crabtree, mediocre receiver. I was like, oh my god, I want to climb through a television set. I wanted to strangle him. I wanted to. I had the willies. Like. Absolutely don't ever show your face on my television set again. And then eight years later, I'm at Levi Stadium screaming and yelling as he picks off Kirk Cousins. Yay! Niners! It's weird. And Michael Irvin is one of those dudes. Where like now, I love listening to him talk, but dude, I hated that guy. I hated that guy. But you just you totally diverted me because you just did something that I don't think has ever happened in the history of this show. What what did I do? Wait, did you what, just what send a I comment? to me on YouTube? I'm looking at the YouTube feed right now and all I see is a comment that comes up that says, go hard, Mark. And I looked at it and I go, oh, who sent that? Dan Dibley. <laughs> yeah, that was are me. You, are <laughs> you writing me. notes to me? On your, I'm sitting right here. I'm having a hard time <laughs> reaching you. You could talk directly. to. I'm right here. And I did, Mark. That's like texting me that dinner's ready when I'm in the next room. <laughs> I'm sitting funny. right here. Just say, go hard, Mark. The millennial generation. Yeah. I appreciate it. What the hell was that? You're 54? I tried to tell you that, Mark. I'm 54. <laughs> I tried to get you to go hard. Don't you tell me what to do. Okay. Don't you tell me what to do, or I'll go hard after you. Hey. I'll write you a note in YouTube right now. Do it, do it. Hey, Michael, oh this God. is Mark, and well, you know, I used to, yeah. I used to be, I, you used to make me sick, but now you're on with Damon and Ratto, and I yeah. love my station. So, at can Dan's. I have your uh, 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 autograph? At Dan Dibley. Let's go. Come at somebody. Come down there. Mark is hard. I wrote you a note. Mark is going so hard I from San Jose Jazz fan. Wrote, yeah. Calm down. Calm down. And you know what I'm yeah. going to respond with? Obviously. Don't tell me to calm <laughs> down. <laughs> Hashtag Steiny. Obviously. Uh, this has gone a way that we did not foresee. Of course. I did not know you were going to start writing me notes in YouTube. Um, I was more like trying to encourage the audience to get ready for you going hard. Spinoni, <laughs> don't cut anything that Mark said. No. That was the home and garden version of going hard on I wasn't Cowboys Week. But, but the whole go hard thing, that was your that was your bit. I don't want somebody. That, he that, makes you sick. That's where it started. Okay. Do you have athletes that when you look at them on the screen, you're just like, mm. I, I got a few right now. Chris Paul. Chris Paul. 
dude, play basketball. Stop playing a game of let's get the ref to think something happened that didn't happen. I have the same feeling about James Harden. You're exactly right. Totally. And when they played together, it was a barf bag. Like, my God, you are way too good for that. And oh, by the way, you're the Coach K of basketball players. In other words, like Kobe Bryant, you knew he was ripping his teammates in the locker room. Did you all know that Chris Paul does the exact same thing, but you don't know it? Coach K is a poor man's Bob Knight. From everything I've ever been told, he's the exact same guy. He's from the Bob Knight coaching tree. He just does a lot better job of not doing it in front of cameras. Chris Paul's the exact same way. Teammates have despised playing with him for years. Does he make you sick, Mark? He makes me sick. Let's go. Go hard, Mark. (laughs) Hold on, let me write that. (laughs) CP3 and me, get the hell out of here. Get off my television set. But Michael Irvin. Oh, but those those insurance yeah. company ads. He's so clever. Get out of here. He's so fun. No, I'm fine with Chris. Yeah, Cliff Paul's fine. But Chris, ugh, dude, be better. For me, there wasn't any one cowboy like Roger Staubach. I or Staubach, Staubach, whatever. I was raised to appreciate what he had done. The military background, the square jaw. Tom Landry with the nifty the nifty hat, and the Cowboys were damn good. They were efficient. Too Tall Jones was a player who, as a kid, I didn't hate, but it was like, man, why don't we have a six foot ten guy who can just wreck shop? Randy White was nasty. Everson Walls was legit. I I hated the Cowboys in totality as a kid. There wasn't any one individual like Michael Irvin who made you sick. Who's your Dodger? Physically ill. Who's your Dodger? Steve Who's Sachs. Your Dodger. Steve Sachs. Mike Marshall. Uh, See, I'm from the... Don't uh, even be on yeah. my TV set. I'm You're, from a little uh, bit of an older vintage where it was the Garvey Dodgers. Oh, Steve, it was, no, Garvey. Garvey was on those teams? Yeah. It yeah. was Garvey. Steve Garvey. It was Garvey yeah. with those those gigantic forearms. And Did you just want to reach into your TV and mess that hair up? Yeah, like, Get totally. a hair out of place for crying out loud. You had a helmet on. How do you? How, why do you take a helmet off and you look like a Ken doll? The only time I ever hated a penguin was Ron Say. How do you hate penguins, right? <laughs> Ron Say, see, he didn't bother me. Yeah, okay. Because he's a penguin. He's over there all squatted up there in the batter's box. Say didn't bother me. But hell, Mike Marshall and Steve Sachs and Steve Garvey and, oh, Mickey Hatcher. Good God. Okay. Mike Sosha, get out of here with How about these Oral guys. Hershiser, Forever oh, Giant. Atta boy, Bulldog. Atta boy. Get out of here. Just gross. Absolutely gross. Did he make you sick, Mark? Yeah, he did. Dibs. He did. Well, let's get him on the air, and you can just bury him. Oh, we're not going to get Lasorda on the air. I'm pretty sure. I hope Michael Irvin's uh, listening to this segment where you just went after him. Playmaker. Yeah. He, I admire you. You're fine now. Okay. You're fine now. He's funny. Yeah. He's entertaining. Yeah. He's entertaining. This this segment brought to you by Foster Freeze. Don't kids, miss the soft serve. Wait a minute. Can't you, can't yeah, you, like, yeah, can't you yeah. like someone as a broadcaster, but you hated him as a player? Yes. You got anybody else like that? I love Michael Irvin as a broadcaster. <laughs> I did not like Michael Irvin as a player. But it's because he's a cowboy. And he was the one in the end zone most. I didn't like Emmett Smith either. Richard Sherman for me is the full boomerang where hated him as a Seahawk. Then you liked him. And now I can't stand him again. again. (laughs) It's a full boomerang. Get the hell up. Richard Sherman, just the classic, like, uh, you know, he ruins Aaron Andrews and he he just was so anti media. And now that the career's over, hi, look at me. I'm in the media. 
Get out of here well, with that. I mean, it's look, a fraud. you're trying to make some bucks, man. Everybody trying to make some bucks. I'm, I'm sure he needs it, too. Tony, Tony Romo's a guy I like a lot better as a broadcaster than I did as a player. And I know, yeah. Tony, I know people got opinions about Tony Romo as Boy, a broadcaster. Boy, the bloom is off the rose, that, uh, that broadcasting career. Well, I, I don't, is it? Yes. Really? If you look People at the general fine. the general perspective of Tony as a broadcaster, his first year, oh my God, this guy's a savant. Well, yeah, he's calling he plays. plays. Oh, those dimples. <laughs> he's so handsome. He's so great. You ask people now, it's like, Tony Romo, you stink. He ain't going anywhere, though. He's no, but he's going to be CBS's number one team. But stock down on Tony Romo. I, I hear you. I if agree. he's a stock, he's Tesla. Okay, that's fine. Which Go is, ahead and Google Tesla. Which is still really expensive. Well, Tesla was up to about 800 a share. Yep. Now it's about a buck ten. Yeah. And I have to Google exactly where it is, but Tony Roma is Tesla, and I'm going to give myself a four for that. Is our... <laughs> you is, can't do that. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to do that. You, <laughs> you get a one for your four. Uh, are we really... 27.47 for, for Tesla, and it peaked at, uh, man... What did it peak at? Uh, I guess 371, so okay. not that high. All right. All right. Whatever. So, gee. He's you're, Tony Romo. You're prone to hyperbole, I guess. Just a little bit. Tony Romo is Tesla. I stand behind it. All right. Yeah. Are we really going to have this conversation on Niners-Cowboys week in the playoffs for the ninth time ever? And our first call of the day that we take, by the way, at 888-957-9570 is in Dallas. It's Charles. In da- is this Charles Haley in Dallas? Charles... Welcome to the show. What are you doing? Uh, I drive to FedEx, and I'm taking a 30-minute break to talk to y'all before I get back to delivering to these wonderful Cowboy fans. Wonderful Cowboy fans. There's three words that don't belong in the same sentence. Yeah. Well, look, I know you guys talking about, like, where the hatred come from. So, you no, know, I'm, I'm 32 years old. You're already be 33. So, you know, for me, the, you know, the Cowboys dynasty of the 90s, you know, I, I was pretty young for that. Um... Half my family's from Portland, Oregon. The other half of us are from Dallas, whatnot. So most of my family are Seahawks fans because geographically they're closest NFL team to Portland. Um, and then for me being a Dallas Cowboys fan, so for me, the frustration—not uh, necessarily hating anybody in particular—but you know, for me watching those Forty ers it was those Jeff Garcia years with Tio on, on the team. So seeing and for us, we were going through those Dave Campbell years of five and eleven, five and eleven, five and eleven. And Troy Aikman uh, retired. Then we went through Chad, Hutch- Chad Hutchinson and Quincy Carter. We didn't know who our QB was going to be. And then somehow we squeaked out a playoff berth uh, in 2003 somehow with Bill Parcells. So for me, the frustration came from we're not doing anything, but the 49ers can go up and down, have playoff success, go to the gutter, and then come back. Because it's happened in each decade, the, the 90s, 2000s, and the 2010s. Like, and we're just kind of, we're, we're glad if we get to a playoff and maybe get one win. But then after that, okay, we're satisfied. We've gotten our field. So it's not so much hate for the 49ers, more frustration with Jerry Jones and just the fact that everybody else has general manager and, and we're just stuck. Yeah. yeah, so it sounds like jealousy. Say it, Charles. You're jealous of the 49ers. Uh, it, may, it may be some envy there, but it's, just, <laughs> it, 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 it's not fun seeing teams kick high in the draft, and then have playoff success, and then scrap everything, start over, and then have playoff success, while we're, we're scared to do it. We we are terrified to do it, and we won't. And until we get a real general manager and we get some new, fresh ideas, whatnot, I mean, we're, we're just, it is what it is. You know, if you're a Cowboys fan like me, it is what it is. Um, 
So, you know, and for, for my for my other side of my family, being Seahawks fans, they, they got a Super Bowl recently, at yeah. least. Man, Charles, you're from a Seahawks slash Cowboys family. We're going to pray for you, man. Yeah. Uh, thank you for calling. We're thank you for all the delivering out there, even if you are delivering to Cowboys fans. Yeah. Feel free to drop a couple of those packages on your way. And yeah, I give you permission. Or just write L on all the packages. Ooh. And you could deliver some L's. Go hard, Mark. <laughs> Go hard on that Dallas fan. I love it. I love it yeah. when you work blue yeah. like that. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, get him. By the way, since <laughs> oh, Dallas God. won the Super Bowl, and uh, that was back in uh, 95. 95, 95, they are 5 and 11 in the playoffs, and they have won two playoff games in a single season. They stink. A total of... How many times? Zero, zero times. times. <laughs> they stink. That's kind of my premise. That's what I wanted to know and why I, 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 I'm asking this question for everybody today. Like, where did this come from? Because there have to be legions of you out there who are like, dude, the Cowboys have never been a threat in my life. In my life, 30 years since they've been right. to the Super Bowl, beating the 49ers in the playoffs, essentially. I know I'm adding a couple of years, but it's not even that. It's what you just said. They have not been... Five wins. Nothing. So they beat Tampa on the road on uh, Monday, Ooh, Monday night. Right. That was their first road playoff win since the conference championship game in San Francisco in 1995. Unbelievable. And 28 so- years without a road playoff Victory, you are irrelevant. Irrelevant. Let me be clear. It, I'm not Shout talking. Party. I'm not talking about this particular team. Like they're they're good. Like I, this is a hell of a game now coming up this weekend. I do think the 49ers win it, but Dallas is they're they're a threat. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely going to give them that. My my larger thing though is what you just said. Since 1995, this team has been irrelevant. They have not been threatening. I can remember Tony Romo in a playoff game in Seattle <laughs> dropping. Uh, he was the holder for an oh, extra point. such a great one. And they dropped it and lost a playoff game. January 6th, 2007, the Seahawks win it 21-20. to oh. And that poor FedEx driver in a split household, half the room going crazy, right? half the room jumping out the window. <laughs> oh, my God. But Tony Romo's entire career was defined by the lack of doing it in the big game. That was That was the rub on Tony Romo. So there have to be tons of you that if you're not 40 years old, you're not 45 years old, and if you hate the Cowboys, it's because somebody taught you to. Or you don't like Jerry Jones. Or you don't like their logo or the overexposure. It is not based on, damn it, I, I, I hate that they always beat us. Like, your moms and dads, that's, that's why they hate the Cowboys. They were literally... They were the locked gate that kept the 49ers out of playoff success. But once we got to 1995, yeah. they haven't been in the way of anything. At all. And Nothing. Just, just one uh, cleanup, and it's my mistake, because I remember it the same way you remember it. That was not an extra point. That was a game-winning, game-winning field, goal. field goal. I just looked at the play-by-play. Yeah. Fourth and Jeez. one from the two. Right, it was a chippy. It was a total. It was was an extra point. Yes. Fourth and one from the two, and the play by play says Tony Romo for no gain. Tony Romo fumbles, recovered by Tony Romo. Tony Romo, but not in the end zone. New. New. That was was an L. That was an L. 
Last night took an L, but in 25 it years, we'll bounce back. Bounce, it did not bounce back. Because yeah, I remembered it the same way yeah, as you. I thought it and was. And I just looked up the play-by-play. -play. Minute 19 to go. Jeez. Fourth and one at the two. And you, the kicker, Martin Gramatica. I learned a lesson that day. Because the reason I remember the game so well is uh, my brother-in-law does it now. Gosh, now I know how long this pool's been going. My brother-in-law does a playoff pool. And I do think 16 Seattle, years ago, Seattle being at home was a mild favorite, if I remember correctly. But I thought Dallas was going to win. And I picked them. And as they lined up for that field goal, man, I was brushing the catbird seat off. I was cleaning it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to beat you all in this pool. Oh, boy. Because I got the upset. And they lined up, and the ball goes right through Tony Romo's hands. Dan Dibley here, squirt. And I'm sitting there looking at a 21 to 20 L, and I learned a lesson that day. Don't you ever pick the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> to do anything. I thought you were going to hit ever. me with a, you got to play all four quarters. No, and no. I thought you were going to hit me with no. a little classic, don't count your chickens. No, or. I knew that like you lose your soul <laughs> when you root for the Dallas Cowboys. Right. Don't ever root for the Dallas Cowboys to do anything, even if it has nothing to do with the 49ers. Yeah. Ever. And I gave you a good luck charm today before the show. Uh, for those of you who weren't in the green room, I was hitting balls with the great Luke Stoffenegger yesterday. And in our bucket of balls, he looks down and he sees a, a Titleist Pro V1 that's been repurposed sure. with the number 13 on it. Oh. And he grabs it and he says, give this to your partner. Because Brock Purdy wears number 13, sure and does. so you've got yourself a Pro V1, heavily trafficked, though it may be, but the number 13. I uh, I, I definitely uh, am someone who will make use of uh, used balls, um, and you can do whatever you want with that. Yeah, I just I was like, I don't even know I'm where going this is going to go. That. Just cut it. I figure that that would be useful yeah. for you at some oh, points. Yeah. But uh, we get another Charles, <laughs> but this one is here in the Bay, damn it. Charles in South City, next up, Willard and Dibs. What are you doing, Charles? Nothing much. Willie, listen to my two best guys on the air. How are you guys? My dude. Better now. Uh, my disdain for the Cowboys, as you know, I'll be honest with you. I called in the past and said I was a Seahawks fan. But my, I got to put my two cents in. My, my disdain for the Cowboys is that dang logo, that big old blue star, the quote, America's team, Jerry Jones, the fan base, just everything about that franchise. So they're just overrated. They hype their, they overhype themselves every year, saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they haven't been to a Super Bowl in years now, have they? Now, Dibs, in your words, they stink. <laughs> thank you, Charles. Charles it's, it's Steiny's words that I've co-opted, but yep. thank you for the nod there. I, that's the word that resonates for me when we think about this: overexposure. I really think that's all this is. Normally, for instance, um, this you'll love this story. My mom, she's 78 years old. Ellen Willer. She's got a thing about Tom Brady. And not the thing that, that, that many women do have for Tom Brady. The opposite. She is sick of him. She does not want him on her television set. Ellen Willard ever down again. on Tommy? She said it's Peninsula text. on Peninsula Crime. She, she went right over me and texted directly to the lovely Christy on Monday night. Bye-bye, Tom. You got 78-year-old female trash talk when Tom Brady got eliminated from the playoffs. She can't stand him. Why? Because he's always there. Uh, and he's yeah. always winning. That's overexposure but it's overexposure due to success the cowboys are fake overexposure forced overexposure they're not overexposed because they're successful they're just overexposed because they're there 
And that's what I really, like, yes, I was born long enough ago to have this actually be a thing that was on the field in the 80s and the 90s. But since then, my disdain for the Cowboys has never waned, and that's why you're telling us every week, Fox, that this is America's game of the week (laughs) so that the New York Giants can take on the six and seven Dallas Cowboys? Why am I supposed to care about this? You're irrelevant. You're totally irrelevant, yet you are in our faces all the damn time. Because it moves the needle. And it's yeah. whatever the yeah. algorithm, I and you mentioned it. Colin Cowherd before, or maybe Joe was mentioning Colin Cowherd and the algorithm. It's the nature of you know what teams really move the needle. And in baseball, it is the Yankees. And I know they're from the biggest market, but also the casual fan. If you talk about the Yankees... People are going to be interested. The Lakers are another team. And the Dallas Cowboys, for whatever reason, and I think it is the logo, it is, they're from a big market. And historically, they have a lot of success. They and the Niners have won the third most Super Bowls ever at five. So historically, they have been successful. Been a long time, though. Uh, Get geared up for these playoffs. If you haven't already, check out our merch shop, 957thegameshop.com. Relevant t shirts, DPOY shirts, uh, used Titleist 13 golf. Balls. I'm kidding on that part, but go to 957thegameshop.com, get all your gear. The road to Glendale begins now. Brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. Your phone calls. How was this born? Where did it go? Why do you hate the Cowboys so much? Plus, we'll enter. Uh, Brian brought us into the conversation. He is from Enemy territory we go behind enemy lines at 105.3 the fan in dallas with brian broadus coming up next on willard and dibs Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Okay, Brian brought us 105.3 The Fan in Dallas moments away. YouTube stream. Those of you who are YouTubers who check out the show there, just a wee bit of patience. Hard reset, I'm told, on the... uh, Whatever the thingamajig, you know that runs the whole deal. Uh, it's a computer, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Tricaster. So, yeah. Oh, it's called a Tricaster. That's sexy. Anyway, did a hard reset, which is also sexy. It's a and- hard reboot, <laughs> and if you're having a hard reboot, you may want to mix more fiber in your diet. There you go. So it will be. It'll be RB, as they uh, would say on a uh, text message uh, from the other you. room. Uh, My we'll, butt hurts. Would be. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. So stay there on YouTube. We will be right back. And when it gets back up and running, you might hear this voice. Brian brought us 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Joining us here on Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Hello, Brian. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How we doing? Hey, we're doing fine, man. We're just sitting here bouncing around figuring out why each and every one of us hate the Dallas Cowboys so much. Um, and, and it's funny because if you're of a certain age, you get it, the 80s, the 90s, and whatnot. But I was just uh, bopping around yesterday thinking, why does everybody still kind of put the Cowboys up on that pedestal emotionally when it, it, it must only be based on overexposure because I, it, I was sort of stunned to dive in deeper to Dallas's playoff history over the last 30 years. And I don't need to tell you, they, they haven't done much. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the big question. My hate for the 49ers comes from, now, 
I had an uncle, my father's adopted here in Texas. My uncle was Charlie Kruger that played for the 49ers oh, wow. for 18 or so years. So I could go all the way back to the days of, you know, Forrest Blue and, and you know, and, and, and the various players, the John Brodies, the Gene Washingtons. I can go all the way back. And matter of fact, my friendship uh, with Mike Nolan, you know, with his father, you know, Dick Nolan and all that. So I have a lot of history with the 49ers. I will also tell you this story, too, if I can quickly, and it's hard for me to tell any story quickly, but I'll do my best. <laughs> You'll fit right in uh, here. I, I, I was sitting in a, a suite at Candlestick Park during the NFC Championship game when I was a scout for the uh, Green Bay Packers, my first job with the Packers. And so John Dorsey, who's a scout, but we're at the East-West game out there in Palo Alto. So John goes, hey, do you want to come to this game? I got a suite. I got some friends. We'll, you know, we'll have a good old time. And I'm like, sure. So I got my Packer gear on. You know, I'm from Dallas, Texas originally. So I'm in the suite, and all these 49er fans are just going off on the Cowboys. I mean going off. And I'm sitting there listening and listening and listening, and it just gets worse and worse as the game goes on. And I'm not saying a word. And all of a sudden, Alvin Harper catches that ball. And, gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, I stood up in the box, and I'm going, run, 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 <laughs> run. And when I did that, John looked at me and goes, Brian, I think we need to go. And every one of those 49er fans looked at me and were, like, in shock. And I'm sitting there like, I go, guys, I sat here all day and listened to you badmouth people from Dallas. I'm from Dallas. I'm glad they're going to win this football game. And at that point, I got up and left. But there is a long history between these organizations when it comes to playoff football, all the way back to Kezar Stadiums and onside kicks and everything that you want to imagine. The catch, I, I remember Dwight Clark, I was working in the league, and I went up and met Dwight Clark, and I told him, I said, hey, Mr. Clark, I'm Brian Broaddus. You know, I work with, the, work with the Cowboys here. And he goes, oh, Brian, nice to meet you. I go, I cried the day you caught that ball in 81. And I go, I, I will never be the same. And every time I ever saw Dwight Clark from that point on in a meeting, he would go, hey, Brian, I caught that ball, by the way. Caught it still. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I have a history of uh, a history of this rivalry. And I also, I respect the hell of it, too. But because we were in Green Bay, we, we handled the 49ers. We handled it. It didn't matter who you had out there. Uh, you know, Steve Young, it, it, Elvis Gerbach, it didn't matter who you play. We handled the 49ers and uh, or the 49ers. And so that's, uh, you know, that's my history with this team. But yeah, the hate for the Cowboys, I think a lot of it goes back to what you guys were talking about, the America's team stuff and all that. I think that a lot of fans just don't want any part of that. Yeah, the Packers knocked him out in 95, 96, and 97, yeah. and, and 2001, so to your yep. point. But, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Dallas Niner thing's interesting because if you throw out last year's playoff game, it's been all the way back to 1995 since they've played in the postseason. But uh, I want right. you to put your scout hat on and look at the 49er team and tell me what concerns you the most about this Niner team from a Dallas standpoint. Well, you know, yeah, we could, <laughs> yeah, you got three hours. How long is your show today? I mean, that's... Well, we're down to two hours after that last story, yeah. but uh, we got some time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go on nah, my I'm just giving you a hard time, Brian. That's Absolutely. what I do. But, yeah, the thing about it is I think that with the thing that has to concern you with the Cowboys is how consistent have you been able to, say, stop a team from running the football. They've got better. Uh, the perimeter runs have been a, a big, big issue for the Cowboys throughout the year. 
when you watch. I think the McCaffrey trade was huge for the 49ers. And you watch the way they played. Because I went back and watched the game you lost to Atlanta. And it looks like a completely different team. I know that was Jimmy Garoppolo playing and all that stuff like that. But it looks like a different team with the way that, that Kyle is using, you know, the, uh, you know with their, the way they're using McCaffrey, the way they're using Debo. I mean, there's always this creative way of trying to get the ball in the perimeter, trying to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. You know, if you're Dallas, the problems are you're trying to match up, and then all of a sudden he puts Juszczyk out there as a flanker. He puts McCaffrey next to him. He puts Debo Samuel in the backfield. And now you're sitting there like, wait a minute, I'm taking linebackers and safeties and moving them out of the box. And what's Kyle going to do? He's going to run the football. So now you've got a corner sitting in the box trying to play run defense. So it's very creative the way that they move their personnel around, the way they use their personnel. And it, you know, and it's a great fit with this quarterback because you know I've evaluated this kid coming out of Iowa State. And what happened with when you talk about Brock Purdy, you look at him and you go, well, 71% passer in college. Everything was underneath, intermediate. It's perfect. It's a, it's a throw. It's a run after catch. You know, this guy, he's, he has a complete understanding. It's a, just a great fit for how Kyle wants to call offense. And that's, the, that's Dan Quinn's going to be Dan Quinn's trick. Last week against the Buccaneers, it's, they don't run the football. This team is, if you look at the run, the run pass split, it's, it's almost even. So that's, that's the issues that you're going to deal with in this game. Brian brought us 105.3, the fan in Dallas with us here on Willard and Dibs. Okay, Brian, I, I need to know who this Dallas defense actually is. Yeah. Is it, is it the defense we saw on Monday night or is it the defense over the last five weeks of the season that watched the likes of whoever the hell Houston's quarterback was, sure. uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Gardner Minshew. It was backup quarterbackville for like five weeks and people were scoring a lot of points on this team. So who are they? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny if you look at the NFC playoffs – uh, Daniel Jones is the highest uh, drafted quarterback in this draft that's left. So that's kind of funny in itself. Yep. But, you know, yeah, I feel like that when you when you watch the Cowboy defense, and Dan Quinn did something, they, they have issues at left cornerback spot. There's no question about that. I mean, you know, they lost Anthony Brown, uh, you know, early in the year. They lost uh, Jordan Lewis, their nickel. They've really struggled to try and find somebody. They've thrown you know, a lot of different resources off the street, practice squad, you name it. They've tried to figure out things. So, you know, the Deron Bland, who played his ball at Fresno out there, you know, he's come in and done a really nice job. Israel McQuamu is another one that's come in. He's, you know, last, we haven't seen Israel play in a lot of games. And it was one of those things where maybe, you know, Dan Quinn was holding back knowing, okay, I'm not going to show people what I'm doing here at left corner. I'm just going to keep throwing bodies at it and see what happens and try and get a, some type of a rotation. But they, you know, Israel came out and played really, really well. They had a really good mix of the man, the zone stuff. They really did a good job, I think, of, of kind of confusing Brady. And I know it's hard to say, oh, yeah, you confused Tom Brady. But pressure was good, and then they mixed the man and zone. And I think they had two different game plans in that game, a first-half game plan, a second-half game plan. And it really, really worked out well for them. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at with the Cowboys right now. If they can get you in negative yardage situations, and, you know, it was the first time since since week 10 that they got a, a, a holding call against the opponent. You know, and, and it, you know, any type of negative play allows this Cowboys to do what they do best, and that's rush the passer. 
So, you know, that's what the trick's going to be. Can you somehow, some way, force the 49ers into some negative uh, down-and-distance situations where you can rush the passer? That's the, that's where, you know, this team is going to thrive. They just, they've been running a lot of games, a lot of stunts, a lot of twists, everything to try and get pressure. But quarterbacks have just been getting the ball out quick. They just have not let the Cowboys rush the passer the way they have early in the season. So, you know, can you get uh, Brock Purdy to hold the football? You know, that's going to be uh, another one of those things you have to kind of try and figure out. Uh, Brian, it's it's great to have you on your show. Are you allowed to say what you think, or are you contractually obligated to pick the Cowboys in this game? Oh, no, I, 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 could, oh, I could pick whoever I want. And, you know, matter of fact, the, the owner one time came up to me, and, you know, I used to work for the Cowboys for, for 14 years. And the owner came up to me and said, hey, he goes, hey, you're kicking my ass pretty good in the media right now. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he goes, but you're fair about it. And, every, you know, as long as he doesn't have a problem with me, man, we're all good. But, yeah, <laughs> they, the organization, they, they let us say whatever we want. And trust me, I've tried to fire Jason Garrett for three years before he actually got fired. So, uh here we are today talking All right. about it. Okay, so I want to hear it on your show, uh, Niners by 10. Oh, no, no. Hey, I got, you know, I'm going to pick the Cowboys, of course. I mean, nah, I'm going to pick I the mean. Cowboys just, be, just because, you know, to me, it's one of those things where I, I feel like that, you know, we, with the Cowboys, I think that this offense, I think that this offense for the Cowboys will present some problems for the 49ers. I think your secondary, they could cornerback. I mean, I'm watching these games, I'm like thinking, you protect this front and you can throw the ball. So that's what my hope is for the Cowboys right now. So, yeah, you guys got a great team, no question about it. But I think Dallas offensively can move the ball on this team. We'll see. Yep, we'll see yep, how it yep, goes. Indeed we will. Hey, Brian, thank you so much, man. Great to have you. Take care, guys. See you. All right, there he goes. Brian brought us 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and I want to jump right to say YouTube feed is back. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, back. come on back. We back. So everybody get back on YouTube, and let's build that number back up. Get the chat going again. The YouTube feed is back and online. Yeah, he went out on a limb with that uh, fire Jason Garrett take. I'm sure he was the only one in <laughs> Dallas who was, and I'm just giving Brian a hard time. I will tell you Great this. Great story, though, about his, uh, his background with his uncle being a long time. Totally. 49er and so he should be a 49er fan. Well, it just depends yeah. on well, he's a Packer fan. He was with the Packers when the Packers owned the 49ers and I had forgotten that they were that dominant in the 90s, three straight years and four of five playoff runs ended by the Green Bay Packers. Sure did, yep. Um, all guests appear on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. So, uh, we're back on YouTube. We've got the good doc next hour. Until then, we're wide open for your phone calls at 888-957-9570 on where this was all born. Your cowboy hatred. Or, if you're younger than 40 years old, is this something that we're just making up? Uh, those of us who were watching football back in the 80s and 90s, but 28 years since the Dallas Cowboys have even appeared in a Super Bowl. And when we talk about that Cowboy defense, you obviously know who they're going up against, and it is whatever this lightning in the bottle is um, that's run by Brock Purdy. So this was fun. I thought we could go over this real quick. How about this? Brock Purdy's draft profile. Take a look because you even heard him say, Brian was like, oh, yeah, I covered oh, Iowa State, and this is perfect for him because yeah. this is what he does well, and this is what he doesn't do well. I think we're still getting to know what he does well. And what he doesn't do well, 
I don't know if we've got a really long list yet. We haven't That's, seen anything that he doesn't do well yet. Yeah, I mean, he's not asked to huck the ball down the field a whole lot. And he had to come back against the Raiders. They were 10 down early in the third quarter, but that it was a high-scoring game, and it w didn't feel like there was a lot of pressure in that game. Right. So we haven't really seen him up against it, down in a spot like this if they fall behind. But from what we've seen from Brock Purdy, what would be the one thing that you look at that he doesn't do well? You'd have to really... Uh, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find yeah. anything through his first six starts that he hasn't done well. And that's to your point about... you know. And I'm looking forward to hearing the scouting report because uh, yeah. I'm sure the scouting report is... Is not oh this guy can make oh, all the throws he's a first round talent you know there, there's some things in here that are listed under weaknesses that literally are the things he's doing the best right uh, so so yes it was all kinds of wrong obviously or else he wouldn't have been available with the last pick in the draft but if you ask me what does he not do well I guess that in the first half of that game against the Seahawks there were a few throws that felt like he was going by the script. A little bit too much and tried to force it into spots where there really wasn't anything there it looks like the middle linebackers are gonna sit there and try to knock down the crossing routes now is that really that big of a criticism or that's just quarterbacking in the NFL right you're not gonna see some arms and you're going to be off schedule a little bit um, he has reacted to every situation well he, he improvises well. He moves well. He sees the field. Yeah, does he miss some wide-open throws? Right. This is that. We've talked about it. I hate this new thing on the Internet where uh, somebody's averaging 35 points a game, but here we are with videos of like, well, look at this guy who was wide open, and he didn't see him. Did you know that you could do that to every quarterback in every game, even the ones who are named Mahomes and Allen? Like, you miss guys. You can't see every receiver. You don't have time to see every receiver on, on every play. But, yeah, there, like, there's nothing. Your list of Brock stinks at and then fill in the blank. Good luck. It's still blank. Right. And uh, if, you, if you look at the history of playoff games in the National Football League, you will find a grand total of zero games ever played where a quarterback completed every single pass. <laughs> the record, by the way, Tom Brady, 93% New England over Jacksonville in 2008. Jeez. That's the record, 93%. So you're, even in that game... I would imagine there was at least one play where Tom Brady had somebody open and he didn't find him. Maybe he checked it down when somebody was running free. And yes, the internet, and now the All-22 is available for everyone almost immediately after the game. And we can all see when our team loses and a quarterback. And imagine that, Mark, when you've got, like, think about our job. Imagine doing what you do. Right now, you're waiting to talk again Imagine if you had five people trying to protect you while seven people are trying to rip the mic out of your hands. And you're supposed to, like, make every sentence perfect and do everything perfectly. By time. Well, yeah, you're going to have to roll right. You're going to have to check down a sentence. Whatever. Think about any other job where you've got finely tuned, huge athletic men coming to try to injure you. And yet we expect these guys to do everything right and always find the open man. The, the internet and the technology has made all of us overly critical. Check out this overview, okay? This is Brock Purdy's draft profile okay. on, on NFL.com. Here's the full overview. Okay, go quick because you got the blitz is coming. Oh, You got shoot. people who are going to rush you from all sides. I'm going to read like that old, remember that old commercial? Uh, oh, that's, that guy like was an awesome. auctioneer. All right, 
Four-year starter who was never able to improve on a stellar sophomore campaign. Purdy is a burly pocket quarterback who needs a play-action-based offense where he can rely on timing over release quickness and arm strength. He can be a confident passer when he finds his rhythm, but throwing is more of a chore than a talent thanks to a labored release. Certain areas of the field will be off-limits as he moves up to take on NFL coverage talent. He's a scrappy runner, but not dynamic enough to make up for his shortcomings as a passer. I think a lot of that is accurate, but, oh. and, and again, what is, is missing. Labored release? I don't, I don't see a labored release. I don't see a labored he release. He is a scrappy runner. Yeah. And, you know, the way, and if you look at his 40 time, <laughs> his 40 time doesn't pop off the charts. His arm strength is not terrific. And I don't know if he is a stocky QB, and they called him a, a stocky QB. And the fact that he never got better after his sophomore year, well, yeah, he, he did. Well, he got benched, <laughs> and you know he still was able to to be the starter most games for you know a powerhouse power yep, five yep. conference 12, team. Sure. So, yeah, I mean these are all things that are that are I guess quantifiable. But what you can't quantify is what we are now seeing on the field. For one thing, he has a knack for seeing. The defense. He has an incredible ability of making quick decisions and making the right decision. We we talked to his quarterback coach, Will Hewlett, about the S2 cognition. Processing. All the yep. processing things and the football IQ things that don't show up on your typical scouting report. So there are seven things listed as specific weaknesses below this. We'll read those in just a second, oh, okay. but we want to keep going to the phones here at 888 especially Ryan in San Diego, who's 32. He's 32. Why I hate the Cowboys? Because the last time they were there, he was three. Okay, three or four years old. Uh, hey, Ryan, you're on with Willard and Dibs. What are you doing? Hey, guys. So I actually am from Nevada. I came down to San Diego for college. Been down here since 2008. Okay. But when I was a kid, I think <laughs> it, I was probably five, I came from home from school one day, and I said I hated some kid at school. And my dad said, hate's a strong word. Shouldn't say you hate anybody. You can only hate two things in life, the Dodgers and the Cowboys. And from then on, that's all it was. Those are are my two teams, the two teams that I hate over everything. And kind of like you said, they haven't really done anything recently. And I even had times where I'm like, why do I hate the Cowboys? And then I just think back to that. I'm like, yep, hate the Cowboys. Ryan, Ryan, it is. Is your dad still with us, Ryan? Yeah. He's still up in Northern California. Actually, he's driving down today. Um, I hope he's listening because he is a phenomenal human being. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 that, that, is, that is some of the best fathering I have ever heard in my life. But you're, you are going to my point. I think hatred for the Cowboys, especially for those under 40, is, is, is not nature. It's nurture. Like it need this has to be injected into you by someone else because they've been completely non-threatening. So, uh, Ryan, pass that along to your dad, okay? Tell, tell him that Willard and Dibs say he's one of the best human beings in the history of the planet. I will. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. That's Good great. Shout out to Novato. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear the, uh, the weaknesses real quick. Okay. If you can read it. Because yeah. I think it's hilarious because, you know, when you scout any player, it's really just one or two or three or eight people's opinions, right? And we talked about this. Wherever you land in the pros, 
all of a sudden your weaknesses and like one of his scouting report things was needs to be in a play action system. I think he's in a play action he system. Is. Yeah, exactly. And I think he looks pretty good. I mean, most of them are now. Fakes. That's the other right. thing, right? Yeah. So, okay, these are seven separate sentences. You tell me, agree or disagree, that these were accurate. Okay. Seven weaknesses. First one pocket setup lacks quickness. Totally disagree. Okay, uh, I'm with you. Next one. Field blinders occasionally rob him of seeing the big play. Don't think so. He seems to have great vision for the field. Has he missed some big plays? Yes. Who doesn't? However, I'm with you. Like, never have I watched him play with the 49ers and been like, dude's got field blinders. I felt that way about some of the other guys who've played right. quarterback for the 49ers the last five seems years. Seems like his head's always up and looking down the field. Okay, next one. Delivery is labored. Don't think so. Totally disagree. Not a quick release, but quick enough. Next one. Lacks timing to beat NFL corners outside the numbers. I think he's thrown pretty well outside the numbers. Yeah, he has. Not yeah, a has. lot of tight out routes, but they don't run those. His timing is actually fantastic. Yeah. His anticipation is really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, there. I mean, this guy, he makes a lot of throws outside the numbers before receivers even gone into his break. That's another thing that's probably been underrated. Like, he seems to have chemistry with these guys. And Already, he, right? And he, didn't, yeah. and he didn't have the opportunity to really build that. Okay, three more. Um, this one, this cracks me up. Shies away from tight window throws. He's thrown the ball into no. pretty tight windows. No, he doesn't at that, all. That throw to Ayuk that he dropped in the corner. That was a pretty tight window, that throw. Here's one with which I kind of agree. Ball needs to come out sooner on deep ball shots. Yeah, he likes to hold it. Jawan Jennings in the end zone yeah. just last week. Comes out a little sooner, it's a touchdown. Last one. Confidence and consistency have been issues. Not so far. Confidence? A lot of moxie, this kid. This dude. Big sock Brock. All right. Uh, more of your phone calls, 888-957-9570. Uh, Warriors live tomorrow night, 95.7 The Game, presented by Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi, unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. So more of your calls and the good doc on injuries next hour as well on Willard and Dibs.